You can get consolation from all sorts of falsehoods, but because it's consoling, it doesn't mean it's true. No, there are a lot of very religious scientists around. Science. There is no evidence for any kind of supernatural being of any you kind. You think people should not have a choice of what to do with their body? Anti-murdering the unborn. And I say to the grown-ups, if you want to deny evolution and live in your world that's completely inconsistent with everything we observe in the universe, that's fine. But don't make your kids do it, because we need But this. why should I believe? Well, because it's the truth. Well, welcome back to Science, Faith, and Reasoning. Um, today, again, we're talking about the NASB 1995 compared to the NASB 2020, which came out, obviously, a few years ago, and I had never had one. Um, I saw that it came out around shortly after it did come out, and I was like, well, I'm happy with my NASB 1995, or what some people call the NASB 1995, and I just saw no need to upgrade, and I really don't have any need to upgrade now um, because I love the NASB 1995. I've used this. Let's see if I can pull it up here. Um, you know, I've used this for since I got saved, um, and I love it. I love the NASB 1995. I think it's a great translation. It's extremely accurate. You know, it's really been the standard, I would say, since um, shortly after it came out. You know, word got around that it was more literal, Greek. People who studied Greek and Hebrew liked it a lot because it was easier to compare it. I know nothing about either of those languages, but from what I hear, it's easier to compare to the original languages, so people like that a lot. Um, so it was a great translation. 1995, absolutely love it. Uh, there's only one mistake that I've ever found in it um, that I think is a mistake that I would think that the Lockman Foundation would also think is a mistake because they changed it in the 2020 version. Uh, but for the most part, I love it. And then this 2020 uh, version, like I said earlier in the little clip where I was showing it off a little bit, um, you know, I saw it. I was needing to buy it for a gift for somebody, and I saw how beautiful it looked, and I had to buy it. Like, it was a great deal for what it looked like, and it had the thumb index, which I think is a must. I love the thumb index. And then after I bought some, you know, I wanted to buy some for one, at least one for myself. I've got some more back there you can see that I'm going to be giving away too. But uh, I wanted one for myself because it's the perfect size for, this is the 2020 version that's thumb indexed. Now, it's not a study Bible, so that's one reason it's a lot smaller. But this is it next to, you know, that's how much thinner it is there on the edge, about an inch or more thinner than the uh, 1995 version. It's about close to the same width, a little bit thinner width-wise, but, you know, to have a Bible to take to speak somewhere or to take to, if you go to uh, witness to somebody or you're doing something like that, this is a great uh, size to carry around with you, to flip through quickly where it's not so big that you have to lug it around. I think that's a much better size uh, for doing that sort of thing. So I just wanted a more compact Bible. So I ordered one for myself and I've got some that I'm giving away, but um, anyway, I'm rambling here. Let's get into the 2020, um, because the 1995 was really a good standard for literal, for a literal Bible, more literal Bible translation. And the 2020 is trying to maintain that sort of reputation. And we're going to see if that, if they should still have that reputation, because I think some of these changes that they've made are more towards a dynamic, uh, readable, more clear type of translation than it is trying to be more literal. And I'll show you where that's the case. So let's get into the preface, or the preface, however you say that, to the uh, NASB 2020. 
because in it, it really lays out why a lot of these changes are the way they are. At least they're, you know, honest about some of these changes. So they start out with a verse, Isaiah 40, verse 8, which says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. And I love that as a motivational verse for making a Bible translation. Because it's not about changing things just for the sake of changing things. It's trying to render this text according to what God's word has said forever. Um, and rendering that text as accurately as possible and reliably as possible. And it says, The New American Standard Bible has been produced with a conviction that the words of Scripture, as originally penned in the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, were inspired by God. So thankfully they start with a foundation that we would say is orthodox, you know, Christianity, great. And obviously they're the 95 edition, I don't know about previous NASB translations, but I know they've been uh, good in the past. So they talk about their aims with the translation. If you're familiar with 95 version, you probably at least would know these after reading them, that that's what they tried to do. But anyway, they say some things about the King James being a great version and how the Bible has been, uh, how that has been used. And then the ASV uh, appeared and the NASB appeared and that these were translations trying to get back to uh, the most original manuscripts that we could use, most reliable manuscripts. But anyway, like we know all that, we know what they stand for, we know what they're trying to do. So what are the things that they've said about this translation that might be different from the NASB 1995? Uh, well, one of their things they say is they want to make it modern, use modern English. And I think some of the changes, most of the changes, kind of come down to that. And they say the goal is to render the grammar and terminology in contemporary English when it was felt that the word-for-word -word literalness was unacceptable to the modern reader. A change was made in the direction of a more current English idiom. And we'll see some of that. Um, gender accuracy. This is, that's really not controversial. They've been doing that, you know, for a while. But gender accuracy, this is uh, one of the controversial things. So it says, in past editions, it was common practice to translate the Greek word anthropol as men and the Hebrew Adam when used as a plural as men, as well as the pluralistic uses of ish and similar words. The same was true for singulars as masculine. This was never intended to be gender-exclusive when the context indicated that women were included. It was assumed at that time that readers inferred the inclusion of women. Of course, that would be based on how who was it written to. Like, is this clearly talking about women? Then just because it said, you know, men or brothers or whatever, like clearly women are giving being given directions to. Um, so they're just pointing that out. They say gender accuracy because they're being accused of being gender neutral, and they're saying they're trying to be gender accurate is how they're phrasing it. It's important, however, so in this edition, Greek and Hebrew words that are not actually exclusive in gender as they are used in a given context are rendered by inclusive terms such as people. Just as important when the words in the original languages are in fact referring only to males or females, the distinction is maintained in English. So basically what they're saying is if a passage is talking about men and women, it's instead of translating that Greek word anthropol as men, they might translate it as people because it's talking to men and women, not just men. Even though if you were to literally translate anthropol, the most literal translation would be men, but because the context is, clear, context is clearly talking to men and women, they translate it as uh, people or mankind or something like that. Um, so then they talk about the word brethren, similar thing. So basically what they're saying, and this is actually not a similar thing, this is different, because here, instead of translating the word uh, brethren as 
just brothers because they're trying to make it more modern English usage. What they do is they take that word, that Adelphoi, and they're translating it as brothers. But then, usually it's just brothers. But if the context of the passage, like some of the epistles, is referring to men and women, then they will change that to, instead of just brothers, it'll say brothers and sisters. And they add that phrase, and sisters. And that is probably the most controversial thing they did with this translation. People are pretty mad about it. I'm not happy about it. I think it's, I think it's a big mistake. Now, at least, and one of the great things I loved about the NASB 1995 is that in this translation, they would put in italics. Well, you're not going to be able to see that if I hold it up, but maybe I can pull it up on screen. They'll put in italics words in the New Testament or Old Testament that are not in the Hebrew or Greek that they've added in English to make the sentence read better. So, you know, whatever it is, it might have and or whatever. Like, they're adding little words to make it more readable because if you didn't add those words to make it readable in English, yeah, it would be more literal to just take the Greek word and literally translate every time, but you wouldn't, that's not how you would speak those sentences in English. And they're trying to translate it that way. So at least in the, in this translation, although they're adding ancestors, which I disagree with, they're putting it in italics because they're showing you that those words are not in Greek, the ancestors part. They're adding it, putting it in italics to show you it's not in the Greek, but for clarity that this is referring to men and women. Um, it's kind of like what they do when they'll say, when they're referring to God in the second person, and they'll say he or him. They'll capitalize he and him, even though in the original languages it's not capitalized. Um, but because they didn't have that um, capitalization, it was just Koine Greek was just all capital or however you want to say it, it was all one letter case, and they're all close together with no spaces between the words. So they've capitalized him or he when referring to God, so that when I'm reading this, I know that this is referring to God. I've never found them make a mistake on that, but some people are uncomfortable with that. But I think it's fine. I like it because when I'm reading it, it's kind of like red letter text for Christ. I know it's referring to God. You know, you know the red letters are Jesus speaking, and it adds clarity. This may add clarity, but what if they're wrong? What if it's not directions for men and women? You know, and you've added and sisters in italics so that the reader will realize, okay, these directions I'm about to read are also for women or might pertain to women later on in the passage. Like, what if you're wrong about that? You know, let the reader make that conclusion about who the directions are for based on the original language that's been most literally translated, and then they can make that decision. So I disagree with it. Um, and we'll, I'll show you some examples and then some things they'll change. Uh, it says here they change instead of let us, they change it to let's when a proposal is being made by one or more persons within a group to engage in an action. A lot of these are just, you know, I think just make it more readable, uh, more understandable. And then the, of course they're using the 28th edition of the Nestle Island text and everything else is you know, pretty normal stuff. So let's get into some of these differences. The first one I want to look at is 1 Corinthians 6.18 because the only problem I ever had with the NASB 1995, and I'd never called it NASB until I made this video because other people, I realize that's what they refer to it apparently. But the NASB 1995, the only problem I ever found, um, I went through a big like King James only investigation to see what that was about. You know, I'll post the links to those videos here. 
And during that time, I started looking at the NASB 1995 to see, I wonder if there's any contradictions in this text or any mistakes that they've made. And the only mistake that I found was in 1 Corinthians 6.18 that I found. I'm sure there's other mistakes. No translation is going to be completely perfect. But, and here's a comparison of 1995 NASB versus the 2020 in the King James. And the 1995 version, if you read 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality in the 2020 version. And in the 1995 version, it just says flee immorality. And it's so general. Like, it's way too plain. Um, It says flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. It's like, okay, any immorality? And that doesn't even make sense because it's saying every other sin that a man commits is outside the body. But here in the 1995 version, it just says flee immorality. That would be any sin. So how can every other sin be outside the body? You know what I mean? It's like it doesn't even make sense when you read it. And the King James says flee fornication, which could mean sexual, uh, would mean sex, some kind of sexual um, immorality. And then in the uh, NASB 2020, it says flee sexual immorality. Um, and the Greek word there is pornea. And the Greek word pornea, pornean, refers to sexual sin. It can be a general term to refer to a broad range of sexual sin. So the NASB 2020, uh, one of the things I like about it is that it does fix that issue. It actually does say flee sexual immorality. Um, so that's one of the things I actually like about the 2020 version. Um, and the 1995 version in so many ways was superior to the translations that it's competing with, I guess you could say, um, during its time period, those 25 years. Um, but in that one spot, it just really missed. And I really feel like it's people were missing out on that passage because it just says flee immorality when it should say flee sexual immorality. So while the NASB 2020 gets a lot of flack for some of these other changes they've made, I think that that improvement is awesome and super necessary. Like I was, I felt reservations about giving people um, the 1995 version just because of that one mistake, Um, which some people may say, well, it's not that big of a deal. To me, that is a pretty big deal. You know, I had still bought people in ASP 1995s, um, but I do think that was, that's a big mistake. And I'm glad they owned up to it and made the correction. So that's one good thing about them updating these every so often. Um, another part, an improvement, Ephesians 3, 8, 9, if you just want to read the comparison, it's more clear, it's more understandable in the NASB 2020. Um, as soon as you open the the new version, when you read just in Genesis starting out, you can tell it's written to be more clear. Um, like in the 1995 version, Genesis uh, 1-2 says, the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the 2020 version says, and the earth was a formless and desolate emptiness. And I think that just paints a better picture, a desolate emptiness. When I hear the word void, I'm like, hmm, like a vacuum, like an emptiness. I mean, yeah, that's good. But desolate emptiness, I think, paints a better picture. Like, humans aren't here yet. Um, I don't know. I just I like that better. I don't read Hebrew, so I have no idea if that's more accurate. But I think that it just kind of reads more smoothly. And a lot of the changes are like that. Um, and one thing I've noticed, too, is a trend in this new translation of the NASB 2020 is that a lot of the word changes make it reflect more like the NIV than it does the traditional NASB translations and I, I think that has to do with them trying to make it more 
uh, contemporary English and more readable. So, anyway, let's go to some of the controversial stuff because none of this is really, nobody's not buying a Bible because it said desolate emptiness instead of void because it means the same thing. It's just easier to understand. But some people are probably not going to buy this Bible because of some of these other things we're going to talk about. So let's look at Romans 5.12. There was a guy who filled in for James White on a show a few years ago when this came out. And this is one of the things where he really focused on and was saying, basically, this is a horrible mistake. And he he might have this Bible, read it on the side, but it wouldn't be his main, like, piece of study, uh, source to study the scriptures because of this, basically it hinged on this change right here. So Romans 5.12 in the 1995 version, it says, therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So the 1995 version said, um, the KJV reads the same thing. But then you'll notice the NASB 2020 and the NIV actually read the same in this verse. In the 2020 NASB, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all mankind, because all sinned. And the NIV says, to all people. So, the problem is, or I guess the question would be, is mankind different from men? Men is more insinuative or insinuating of male Mankind, I mean, it's mankind, so it kind of is. People is not, you know, has no male connotations. Mankind, I think, has some. Men has a lot. Like, if you say men, well, like, it's very clearly male uh, connotations there. Um, So, this is a, a big problem. People have a really big problem with this. When I first read it, or when I heard this guy's spiel on it, I was very uncomfortable, and I was like, ooh, did I just buy 20 of these Bibles? Did I just make a huge mistake to give these away to people? Um, But the more I've thought about it and the more I've looked into it, I really don't think it's uh, a deal-breaker. I do think it's a mistake, though. But a question I would ask, like, this person who said that, um, I don't know what his name is. Maybe he's, like, James White's son or something, but he said that, you know, the 1995 version has been his go-to study tool for the scriptures, and me as well. But I would say, like, if this is a deal-breaker for you, but the 1 Corinthians 6.18 verse isn't, and it's like, I feel like this, if this is a mistake, which I would probably say it is, I don't think it's near as bad of a mistake as the 1 Corinthians 6.18 saying immorality instead of sexual immorality. Like, is that even close to as bad of a mistake? At least this clearly means the exact same thing. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, that is a different meaning. Like, that's a mistake. Like, you're not conveying the message of God uh, in this one part um, of the New Testament as it should be conveyed, in my opinion. And I think I think Lockman Foundation would agree because they changed it in the 2020 version to sexual immorality. Um, but also, too, with this, where I think it may not even be uh, a big deal necessarily, it could be, but the thing is, like, we don't know if Paul means when he says this, so death spread to all men, or death spread to all mankind. Clearly, when sin entered the world, it spread to both men and women. So it spread to mankind. When he said in verse 12 that it spread to all men, clearly he meant men and women. Now, that's not uh, the Greek word that he used. He didn't use a word. I mean, that word, the word is anthro- anthropos. 
and it could be translated as mankind, but the most literal translation is men are man. Um, so for it to be translated as men would be more literal, but it's not inappropriate to be translated as mankind. It could be translated as human. You know, those are those kind of secondary uh, ways it could be translated. Or as the NIV says, people. I don't think that's necessarily inappropriate. Um, the problem, though, that you get with this is mankind is not as masculine as men. And the problem that this person has with it is that he's saying it's removing that theme of male headship in the scriptures. And I don't know if I would say that, uh, although I do think it's better to leave it up to just put it more literal, just put men, and then let us decide if it applies to men and women. I mean, obviously, it clearly does. But don't change, like, don't make it less literal because you as the translator are trying to make us think a certain way about the text. I'd rather you just make it more literal and then leave it up to the person who's reading the scriptures to interpret it, whether it's pertaining to both men and women. Now, I do think there is a place for a more dynamic translation that tries to uh, make it more understandable and clear and more, read more easily without always going with the most literal translation. And no translation always goes with the most like textbook literal word-for-word -word type stuff. No translation does it completely literal. NASB doesn't even say they're trying to make it word-for-word -word completely literal. Obviously not. But in the past, they have a history of doing it, I would say, the best in terms of being the most literal and most readable. And with this translation, I think that they're kind of moving more towards, in a lot of areas, towards kind of that NIV, um, more dynamic than formally equivalent type of translation. And I think there's a place for that. Like the NIV, if, if I had an NIV, I would read it. I would study it. Um, and I would just understand that it's a more dynamic translation. So when I really need to get specific about something, I would do a little more research about it without just looking at the NIV. And I think with this NASB 2020, I'm going to have to do that more. I'm going to have to check on it and make sure that I'm getting a more literal um, and accurate presentation of the text because now I know that they've gone real dynamic in some areas where they used to be more literal. Um, so anyway, and really like this uh, 2020 version, this is going to be what I study scripture with for the next year. I'm committing to that. Um, this is kind of my first impressions video, just from some of the things that I've heard about it, some of the controversial things. I'm going to spend a year reading it, um, studying it, hopefully getting through most of the corpus of the scriptures, and then trying to um, just see, comparing it to my 1995 version and the King James version and just seeing, like, where are those changes? How dynamic have they gone with this? Um, so let me show you all a clip from the James White guy, and then we'll kind of talk about it as he goes. So let's play this. I'm in the way here. Everybody, but the fact that men are singled out raises the level of accountability on men and and not on women. Did women become sinners? Yes. Did, did death spread to women? Yes. But that's not Paul's point, I would argue, in Romans 5.12. His point is that because through one man, all men, because Adam was the head of the human race, and now all of the heads have this sin that has spread to them through the one man who was the original head. And so when you begin to accommodate the culture, what is happening in Romans 5.12? Well, male headship is, is being undermined. 
I don't I don't know that the I don't know the motives of the NASB 2020 translators. I don't know that they're trying to undermine uh, male headship and male accountability uh, before God for for being leaders of of their families and leaders of society. Uh, but but they've done that. They've done that by removing the masculine uh, term there and replacing it with a term that is more generic. Yeah, and I think that that may be true that they have uh, removed the headship theme from that passage if it was there. Um, I think mankind still has male connotations, but like I've looked through some of the other scriptures that are um, laying out the roles of men and women. Like if you look at Ephesians or Genesis or Corinthians, it's still extremely clear about men are the heads of the house. Men are, uh, sin came through one man, Adam. Like all of those things are crystal clear. And they've only done this in a couple of areas. So I don't think it's like we've removed the theme of male headship in the scriptures. I just think in that part, if that's what Paul meant, then the more literal translation of Anthropos gives us more insights. It gives us another like little Easter egg into male headship that we're missing now because we've rendered it more general. Again, for me, it's not like, oh, crap, now I'm not going to you know, give people this Bible. Um, not a deal, breaker for, a deal breaker for me, although I do think it's a mistake. And, you know, no translation. No translation is going to be perfect, and this one's no exception. Um, and actually, what's funny about this, and I guess some people cared, but the NIV has been like this for forever. Um, and it was just understood that the NIV is more dynamic. And we're like, okay, yeah, they use people instead of men sometimes, and it seems like this more kind of, uh, a lot of their sentences, instead of being more literal, they were more general. And they're easy, it's really easy to read. And that's why it's so popular and people love it. You can get all the doctrines out of the NIV. You're going to get all the doctrines out of the NASB 2020. But when you go more dynamic, uh, sorry, checking the camera here, when you go more dynamic, you miss a lot of deeper things uh, that you get from that literal word for more word for word type of translation. And that was the great benefit to the NASB 1995. And that's what I loved about it so much is that it had this reputation of literality that was so such a high bar and also pretty readable. It's more awkward than like the ESV. I think the ESV reads really well. The NIV is super easy to read. Like it just it reads like English modern English people speak. And I think that's what they're trying to do more with the 2020. And not a huge fan of some of the changes. Some of the changes I like a lot. But that one I do, I'd say it's a mistake. Um, and I hope they correct it in the next version. But anyway, I don't think it makes the uh, NASB 2020 like an apostate demon Bible. Um, although I do think it's, uh, I just think it's a mistake. And that's what that's what's great about having the Greek to look at, not that I can even read Greek, but you can do word studies and you can look at how other translations have translated it and uh, look at some interlinear Bibles and things like that. And there's some accountability. If all we had was one English translation, we'd never know how, if anything's right or wrong, if anything's more literal, we just have no clue ever. And thankfully we're not in that situation. So let's look at another change because this one it's kind of a similar thing. First Timothy 2, 1 and 2, um, it says in the 1995 version, it says, First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men 
for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And in the 2020 version, by the way, King James says the same thing pretty much. But the NASB 2020 says, first of all, then I urge that request prayers and intercession, which I think is much more understandable, request prayers intercession, than entreaties, which I don't think anyone even knows what that means. Um, like your common person probably doesn't even know what that means. Prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving. Um, I just think the NSB there reads better, but then it says in thanksgiving be made in behalf of all people for kings and all who are in authority. And I think this is a big mistake. Uh, you know, I believe, let's see, did I put the Greek word in here? I want to say it's also anthropos. Um, I mean, it probably, I don't have it here. I think it was anthropos, though, but... You know, this is one of those passages where it's like, okay, it says for kings and all who are in authority right after that. Uh, if we're talking about authority, we're talking about male leadership, male headship here, and you're changing it to people, and it's just too general. It Like, I feel like the literal translation of that as men has the connotations that it should have, especially in that context with for kings and all who are in authority, and that male leadership is, you know, a divinely appointed thing. I just think that that's God's design, and we're... We're trying to make something general that doesn't need to make uh, be made general. And it kind of goes back. Let me pull this guy's video back up because I think he says this right here. Um, let's see. And, uh, and and we see this, uh, you know, as, as they do this throughout the translation. Um, you know, Genesis 6, 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of mankind was great on the earth. Again, yes, every person is certainly involved in that. And yet there's a sense in which God holds the fathers and, uh, and the men responsible as leaders. And, uh, and we need men today who will stand up and be men. Right. And, you know, I think he's right. I would agree with that. And again, I think it's just another, you're getting more general where you should be. I would say you should be more specific. And that's just a miss. You know, it's a, uh, it's a miss. It's a mistake. And my thing, too, with that is if you're going to change it to people, from men to people, you better be 100% sure that it should, that people, you're not missing anything from that more literal translation of it. You know, if you can be 100% sure of that, then, yeah, put people. But you can never be. And that's why I love the 1995, how it aired on the side of literality. Um, now, of course, I'm picking out the more controversial portions of the text. So it's not like, you know, <laughs> you're going to see the phrase non-binary in there somewhere. Um, <laughs> you know, it's pretty, it's really solid in a lot of areas that I've read. I've just picked out the more controversial ones. Um, so anyway, this is the one, this is the and sisters, quote unquote, um, conundrum. So in the 1995 version, it says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And the 2020 version, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters. <laughs> okay. Um, and in the NIV, actually says, and sisters as well. KJV says, brethren. Uh, 1995 version says, brethren. Really, to make it, in, if you simply just wanted to make it more common modern English, instead of brethren, you would have said brothers. And that's what they said in their preface that they would do. Unless, as they said in the preface, that it pertains, this part of Scripture is clearly meant for men and women, then they would add the phrase ancestors to show that as soon as you start reading that, okay, you know this is applying to men and women. And again, if they're completely right that it is, 
then you're getting a better it's a you understand immediately that this is clearly for men and women and then you'll get to what they're actually talking about kind of like the capital h for he and him when it's referring to god which i i love the capital h for he and him when it's referring to god but you're not adding an entire word you're just it's kind of like the red letter thing and i think this is another level of that that i think is inappropriate now where they they save themselves here is by putting it in italics and that's one thing I love about the NASB translations is they put in italics, as we talked about before, words that are not in the Greek, but that might be implied by the Greek by the context. Um, and you'll see they have other words in there, which is in italics. So like if you read that um, without the, the words in italics, it, w- it would be more literal, right? Acceptable to God, your spiritual service of worship. It's like, what? That reads weird, but it makes more sense to say, which is your spiritual service of worship and the King James is the same thing. Like they have to imply English words, otherwise it doesn't make any sense in English. But adding that f- entire phrase "ancestors," I think, is is a huge mistake. Um, so anyway, I obviously that's the most controversial thing right there to me about this translation. The men, mankind. It's like okay, uh, maybe it's not that different, but the ancestors thing is a big difference. And if you look at the ES, or sorry, the NIV there, they add the ancestors, but it's not in italics. So if you read that as just you know a layperson, you have no clue that that isn't in the original Greek language, and you think it is. Um, and I think that's a huge problem. That's what I love about the NASB is that they put it in italics, so they're honest and upfront about what's in the original language and what's not, so that then you can just draw your own conclusions about it. So at least it's honest. So in that case, I think it's the saving grace of the 2020 version is you know what doesn't belong. Immediately, you know. Now, the problem is, I think a lot of people who read this 2020 version or any of the NASBs probably have no clue that they even do that. Um, So I think when you get a Bible translation, you should read the preface. And you should compare it to other translations. And compare it to the KJV. Compare it to the 1995 NASB. Compare it to the ESV. Um... And you kind of know those mindsets of how these translations were made, and you start to understand why the differences are there. And then you start to learn more about the original uh, terms, the original languages, and even like manuscript differences. And you just become a more well-rounded student of the scriptures, really. So I would say you don't necessarily need to have just one translation. Um, I think if you're going to, I would go with probably the ESV, the 1995, or the KJV if you only had one. Or I like the New King James as well. Um, But with the newer versions, I think it's helpful to always be comparing them to older versions. Always be comparing them as far as you are able to original uh, Greek manuscripts that you can find those articles about, those research papers, and those word studies. Um, Because you got to hold them accountable. And people are holding them accountable for these changes. And again, this, these aren't changes that, to me, are deal-breakers, but I think they're mistakes. And I, there's mistakes in the 1995 version. There's mistakes in the King James. There's mistakes in all these versions, the new King James. The ESV, I, I actually haven't found any of the ESV yet, but I haven't studied it that much. Um, but you're always going to find a mistake with a Bible translation. A perfect translation, um, obviously, is an unachievable goal, but it's something we should strive for. And at least with comparing these things, we can hold them accountable. Um, and I've only done, you know, a few weeks of study since I've gotten this Bible, this version of the Bible. Um, but I'm going to use it for a year. I'm going to compare it to the 1995 version. 
Um, hopefully a year from today, I can do a one-year review and we'll see how my opinion of it has changed. But I think there's things that about it that I'm really going to like. Um, so overall, I don't think it's a reason to burn the NASB 2020. Uh, I wouldn't even say it's a reason to avoid it. I would just say learn about it. Learn the differences and understand those. Um, so when you're given a message on you know, one of those passages, you can reference that original term and say that you know, it should be more specifically uh, men. So it really just makes it more, to me, I think the NASB kind of has to back off a little bit and say, okay, we're not as literal as we used to be. And they kind of say that in the, pre the preface and just admit that now you're more dynamic. And now we'll understand, okay, now I know the NSB has moved away from being as literal as possible, and they're moving more towards more uh, readable and more dynamic translation. Um, and, you know, I wouldn't say burn the NIV either, but I understand that it is so dynamic that if I really need to know something, like what is the actual very specific literal nature of this, I'm going to have to look into it more. And I found that to be true with even the 90, 1995 version and like the King James, you still have to go back sometimes. When you see that word fornication, it's like, okay, what does fornication mean? What does the Greek word pornean mean? How can it be translated? What is the context here? And you can, you learn more about it. So a lot of times you're doing that anyway. Um, but I think overall, I'm really going to enjoy this. I think it's definitely the most beautiful Bible I've ever seen. It's the perfect size, this version of it. And I'll post a link to it. on. Uh, I bought it from christianbook.com. And I just think it's a great, like, structurally and everything else. It's absolutely beautiful. And I think I'm really going to like it. Uh, but I'm going to be looking for those words in italics. And anytime I see gender pronouns used in it, I'm going to be checking with older translations and seeing if they've done it correctly. Um, and then I'll be checking on those places where they add that ancestors phrase in italics for clarity, as they say, and see, okay, does this passage actually pertain to men and women? And, you know, if they've added that in a place where it doesn't, like, just think about how big of a mistake that would be. Um, so anyway, I'm definitely going to be looking into that. Improvements to it, I think that 1 Corinthians 6.18 is a huge improvement. It actually says sexual immorality now. Like, that's awesome. So I think about teenagers that are reading this, or anybody that has struggled with lust, especially teenagers, because that's just like, that time of your life, that seems to be a big problem for a lot of people, to read that flee sexual immorality, the mindset that that creates around that topic versus flee immorality is just a world of difference. So I think some of the improvements make it better than the 1995 version, and then some of those changes I think make it worse. So it's kind of a mixed bag. My overall review of it is it's a mixed bag. But I do, um, I do like it overall, and I think it's hopefully going to stay true you know, 99% of it stay true to that literal nature of what the NASB has always, you know, prided themselves in and being more literal. But anyway, I'd like for you to leave some comments on this video. Let me uh, po post some things for me that I need to look into. I'm going to do a year review of this. And leading up to the end of the year, or this time next year, I want to know um, some things that you've already noticed in this um, that might be mistakes. So, Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Please like and subscribe, and I uh, will see you guys next time.